This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, a podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. You can subscribe and download episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on our social media pages. And while you're at it, I would love a review. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm your host, Jackie Pack. And I apologize about the last episode that released. I have heard from a couple of people that the sound quality was really low. And overall, the whole day was, well, not the whole day, back up. The whole morning, Rachel and I record typically the first Monday of the month, and we both meet at the Salt Lake office and record a podcast together in person. But she was going to be out of town, actually, on the first Monday in June. So we met on Memorial Day, the morning of Memorial Day. And the Salt Lake office, man, there's been been a lot going on. There's a lot of construction going on with the building. We've got a whole scaffolding surrounding the building and then overlapping the project that's going on with the remodel and reconstruction, I guess, on the exterior of the building that we're in. The city had passed an ordinance back in like 2016 that they were trying to bring green spaces to urban spaces. So we're downtown Salt Lake. We're a very urban place. And they temporarily for, it was going to be for a month. I think it ended up being a little bit over a month, brought in trees, but like they didn't plant them because right, it's all asphalt because it's a road. So they blocked off. So it, it messed up parking for clients, for, you know, whoever's coming. They had, you know, the lane going north But it just became a mess. All the parking was closed. That project closed down last weekend. I don't know how long. I haven't been to the Salt Lake office since then. So I don't know how long it will take them to move all of the stuff that they put up as part of this green loop project. And then they're deciding, sifting through comments and feedback that they received to decide if they want to do that permanently or if, you know, it was nice, but no thanks. My vote was, it was nice, but no thanks. And so the parking at Salt Lake for the therapists, you know, the the space that I bought comes with one parking spot, which I thought was a little ridiculous, maybe, that we're a retail space or we're a, you know, commercial space. And they gave us one parking spot in the parking structure for, you know, tenants, because above us is like, seven, I don't remember if it's seven or nine stories of condos. And then the, you know, street level is all commercial units. And so they gave us one parking stall, which I, you know, again, I have told them that was poor planning. They agreed with me. It's poor planning, but you know, we have one spot for therapists who work there and, you know, downtown parking is a premium and you can't just park in a parking stall and meter pay for, you know, eight hours a day or however long they're working. So I've rented some additional spots. Rachel's only been there. Rachel doesn't work at the Salt Lake office. So she's been there once before. So she pulled into the spot that I'd showed her as the most convenient parking spot that is the one actually assigned to us. And a car was in our spot. So she assumed it was the spot that was empty which was not our spot. It was right next to our spot. So we record 
I think I must have hit the volume button when I was loading everything up to go to the office um, to record with her. And so we're, we record the podcast. I mean, from what I could tell, it looked like my sound quality was good in the podcast episode. And so we come out after recording into the parking garage and I say, where's your car? And she's like, uh, my car was right there. And I'm like, no, really, where's your car? She's like, yeah, no, really, my car was right there. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not our parking spot, but like, are you joking, right? So I get on the app because there's an app for the whole, it's called the Metro. So there's a whole, there's an app for the whole, you know, all of the condos, the retail spaces, everything. And there had been a comment posted like 33 minutes previously saying, hey, does anybody know this car? It's parked in my parking stall. If somebody doesn't come get it, I'm going to have it towed. 33 minutes, 33 minutes is all. So I'm like, oh shoot. So I messaged the person and I'm like, did you have the car towed? And they're like, yeah, we waited and waited and nobody came. And I'm like, well, okay. And anyway, whatever. So I call the place that it was towed to. Of course it's Memorial day. So to get it out of impound, we have to pay holiday fees. I'm just like, okay, let's not that we were planning on this for the day. Let's go get your car out of impound. You know, anyway, it was a whole thing. So all of that. And then I hear, oh, the sound was really low. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'll have to work on it another time. You know, maybe get two mics for both Rachel and I. I don't know. It still might, you know, not fix if the volume gets bumped down, but whatever. So Anyway, here we are today, today's episode. One, today's episode, I'm going to talk about our inner adult. Maybe if you've been in therapy or you've been reading self-help books, you're familiar with the concept of the inner child. Today, I also want to talk about the inner adult. But before I start down talking about the inner adult, I want to give a couple of disclaimers up front. Now, I think our culture is very good at bypassing things or using helpful concepts to whack somebody over the head with the concept instead of actually using it in useful ways. And I don't want that to happen with this concept of the inner adult. So I want to say, if you're new to this work, the inner adult may not be really functional yet. If you're in the midst of grieving, this concept may not apply to you. I'm going to talk about grief as one of the barriers to our inner adult functioning. And I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit as I go through the podcast episode, but I just, I don't want, you know, this concept of an inner adult to be used to bash people for not being functional, especially when they're working on themselves and they're trying to be, but you know, there's a lot of grief that gets in the way as we're going through therapy and doing our own work. So this podcast episode it came about because I was emailed the question after my last episode, not the ones with Rachel, but after my last episode. And I think the question stems from things I was talking about on that episode. Not entirely sure, but I'm, that was an assumption I made. So here's the question that was emailed to me. Hi, Jackie. I've been listening to your podcast for some time and your episodes have been helpful for me as I'm working on my own recovery. I often feel overwhelmed by adulthood and find it challenging to take care of my responsibilities and maintain a routine. 
What steps can I take when I'm feeling overwhelmed by adulting? And how do I develop a positive mindset when I'm in this place? So I think that's a great question. I'm not going to use their name because, you know, confidentiality, and I don't know if they want me to use their name. So first, let me say, that's a good question. And I think it can be a struggle at times to adult or to function like a healthy adult. And the good news is there's an explanation for these struggles that if we can address them can help us function more from this place of a functional inner adult. Now, I'm also really happy that I got emailed a question that I can turn into a podcast episode because yay, bonus content that I wasn't necessarily thinking about. And I know that I have said on the podcast that I'm happy to get feedback or suggestions about podcast episodes or topics or questions that you have, but I actually don't get very many questions or emails. Maybe I don't mention it enough, and that's why I don't get many emails, and I'm glad I will say I am glad not to be overrun with emails, but I do want to put out there that if you have a question or a suggestion for a podcast topic, I am open to your suggestions. I'm open to questions. I'm open to whatever comments or feedback you have. Well, not not helpful feedback. I'm not really fishing for that. So, okay, enough about that. Let's get into how do we develop a positive mindset when we're in this place of feeling overwhelmed by everything we're learning, everything we're working on in terms of our own work. And we find it challenging to take care of, you know, the work that we're focused on and the responsibilities that we have and maintaining this routine. So I do think that there are challenges as well as insights and transformations that come with this quest of developing or finding or connecting to our inner adult. Now, maybe you're more familiar with the term inner child, but you haven't necessarily heard this concept of the inner adult. So let's just start there. So in popular psychology and analytical psychology, the inner child is an individual's childlike aspect. It's a part of ourselves that's been present since we were conceived through our utero uh, development. And then all the developing years, usually up through the teen years. So baby, infant, toddler, young child, into middle school, and even into the teen years. Although usually when we're talking about the teen years, we talk about the inner teen. Because, you know, often that inner teen is a little bit different than the inner child. We see the inner child more dependent, more naive, more powerless or helpless. Sometimes that inner teen is like, F you all, right? So the inner child... I think can seem cliche, but despite its overuse, the idea of an inner child is actually an important and useful concept that will arise out of psychotherapy. Now, many schools of therapeutic thought acknowledge the childlike side to our personalities, and this is what the inner child is referring to. Maybe they call it the child archetype, or the child within, or the wonder child, or the wounded child. Now, the inner child can often recall good experiences as well as childhood fears, traumas, neglect, or significant loss. And it can be hard sometimes to pinpoint the exact event from our childhood that is tugging at us when our inner child gets activated. But we can start to notice these internal patterns that have left us subconscious breadcrumb trails when we start to explore our inner world. 
Now, of course, the term inner child does not imply that there's a little child living in us or that part of our brain is delegated solely to childish thoughts. The general idea is that we all have a childlike aspect within our unconscious mind. Maybe the inner child can be seen as a subpersonality, or, you know, currently in the therapeutic field, it's caught on more to talk about a part of ourself, this inner child part. It's a side of our character that can take over when we're faced with a challenge or when something gets triggered. And the inner child reflects the child that we once were in both our negative and positive aspects, can reflect our curious or wonder or play aspects that were more positive that are kind of rooted in childhood or we think of as childhood traits, but it can also you know, reflect more negative aspects of childhood. Like I was saying, powerlessness or fear, terror. Yeah. Those types of things, that sadness, the loneliness, that type of stuff. So it's going to include both our unmet needs and suppressed childhood emotions, as well as our childlike innocence, like creativity and joy. All of these things are kind of within us. And we would say they're kind of encapsulated in this inner child. Now, the repressed emotions would be all the things you were taught as a child not to feel if you wanted to be loved or if you wanted to be accepted or if you wanted to feel safe. So if you were only offered attention when you were good, you might find the inner child holds rebellion and sadness and anger. It holds it or it represses it. Or if you experience trauma or abuse as a child, you would have learned to hide pain and fear in order to survive. The inner child can also hide all the things that you were taught to think about yourself by your parents, by teachers or other adults who had an impact in your life. Maybe this can sound like, you know, you better not say what you really think. Don't try to get that promotion. You just aren't smart enough. Don't take that risk. Uh, Big boys don't cry. Maybe, you know, sex is dirty, those types of things. All of these messages that that young inner child received are still held within us. Now let's talk for a minute about how the concept of the inner child came into being. So Carl Jung took a strong interest in the, what he called child inside after he broke off from Freud. And he mentions in his book, Memories, Dreams, and Reflections, that he became aware He'd lost the creativity and love of building things that he had as a child. He noticed the emotions that arose while remembering his childhood creativity, and he set out to develop a relationship with what he called his small boy, starting to do playful things that then brought on other memories and emotions to be dealt with. The child archetype in Jungian theory can be a way of helping us connect to the past as we recollect our experiences and emotions as a child. And then this can also help us mature and realize what we want from our future or our present life. Now, transactional analysis became the next psychological movement that brought the idea of a child inside to public attention. An offshoot of psychoanalysis that was developed in the 1950s, transactional analysis sees the way we act around others as coming from one of three ego states. So namely the childlike, parent-like, or adult-like 
state. In the 50s as well, the New Thought spiritual leader, Emmett Fox, he called it the wonder child. And then by the 1970s, several forms of inner child concepts were being used both by self-help writers, by the 12-step movement, and the evolution of codependency concepts. The concept of the inner child was further developed by husband and wife team Vivian and Arthur Yanov in Primal Therapy, and it was expounded on in the books The Primal Scream, and then in 1973, The Feeling Child. Art therapist Lucia Capuchion, I think that's how you say it, in 1976, documented a method of reparenting the inner child in her book, Recovery of Your Inner Child, that was I think released in 1991. Using art therapy and journaling techniques, her method included a nurturing parent, a protective parent with inner family work to care for a person's physical, emotional, creative, and spiritual needs, which was her definition of the inner child. Her concept also posited a critical parent within and provided tools for managing it. Then Charles L. Whitfield dubbed the inner child, the child within, in his book, Healing the Child Within, Discovery and Recovery for Adult Children of Dysfunctional Families in 1987. Then we had Penny Park's book, Rescuing the Inner Child in 1990, which provided a program for contacting and recovering the inner child. Also in the 1990s, in television shows and in books such as Homecoming, John Bradshaw, who was a U.S. educator and pop psychologist and self-help movement leader, used the concept of inner child to point to unresolved childhood experiences and the lingering dysfunctional effects of childhood dysfunction. And then more currently, we have internal family systems therapy developed by Richard Schwartz that posits that there is not just one inner child subpersonality, but there's many. IFL therapy calls the wounded inner child subpersonality exiles because, you know, they tend to be excluded from waking thoughts or conscious thoughts in order to avoid and defend against the pain carried in those memories. IFS therapy has a method that aims to gain safe access to a person's exiles, witnessing the stories of their origins in childhood and healing them. So that's kind of the overview of the concept of the inner child and its development over the years and the people who were developing and furthering that concept. Now, if you're asking, how do we identify our inner child parts? You know, if if you don't have a lot of childhood memories, can be a protective. Usually it is because we know that, you know, memory starts at those ages. So if we don't have a lot of those memories, there's probably a part that is protecting and shielding or has exiled those child parts so that the conscious and even the subconscious is not aware of those inner child parts. I would say our inner child is the one that remembers the smell walking into grandma's house. And that smell feels safe. It reminds us of how grandma made us feel, that she loved us, that we could do anything. At least I hope that's your memory of your grandma. Not That's not the case for everybody. Our inner child is going to remember the feeling of our hearts brimming with pride when we finally learn to ride our two-wheeler, 
and the feeling of the wind blowing against our face as we rode down the street. Our inner child remembers feeling invited to a friend's birthday party and feeling so happy and so confident. Our inner child is also the one who knows the sensation of salty tears running down our cheeks when mom told us our beloved family pet died. Our inner child remembers feeling dumb when the teacher scoffed at our question or lost patience when we just couldn't get it. Now our inner child slash inner teen is present during the teen years when so badly we just wanted to be accepted. We just wanted to fit in. That inner child is also inside of us when we have our first crush or we go on our first date, wanting so much to be lovable. It's also the part that feels crushed and betrayed when we're hurt, ignored, lied to, when someone hurts us or betrays us. I would say our inner child is present and communicating with us. Whether we have that awareness or not, the inner child is communicating with our current self. Now, our inner child can be calm and content for the most part, or it can act out and make things chaotic. The fear our inner child holds can paralyze us, confuse us. We have no idea why we're frozen. Our current self has no idea why we're frozen. Our inner child can stand in the way of healthy relationships based on its fear. It can impulsively spend our money can create disorganization, turmoil, pandemonium, and emotional dysregulation. I think our inner child can either make it or break it when it comes to being a functional member of society. If you're feeling frustrated or stuck in some aspect of your life, it's probable that your inner child is needing some attention. Stuck points might look like difficulties at work, focusing, getting things done, staying on task, can look like difficulties in parenting, difficulties using your voice and speaking up, advocating for yourself, finding and trusting love, deepening relationship, deepening relationships, or setting boundaries. Now, because the inner child is a state of dependency, it can also lead to feelings of being the eternal victim who feels incapable of even confronting problems. Again, think about that childlike state of powerlessness. You know, the best the inner child can do is appeal to a parent figure in order to make things better. But if that didn't go well, then what do you got? At worst, the inner child can lash out and become violent, reckless, or harmful to the self or lash out in anger and resort to violence. As the late Reverend Peter Gomes used to say, Quote, there's no such thing as an easy, fast, or cheap solution to any problem worthy of being called a problem. End quote. So how do we balance out our inner child? Or how do we work with this inner child so that it doesn't just take over and call the shots? Well, this is where the concept of the inner adult comes in. Just like we each have an inner child, we also each have an inner adult. The part of us that is ultimately competent, successful, strong, alive, and fulfilled. Now, once we are chronologically adults, this might also be called our real self or our authentic self, who we truly are. 
when this vital part of ourselves, this authentic self is not honored, a fragile or disempowered self can emerge that can often feel victimized and exploited rather than competent and purposeful. This, what we might call false self, avoids taking ownership of actions. When we make mistakes, this false self blames others, points external instead of looking inside, might blame circumstances, or believe that their only responsibility in repairing is to say, sorry, rather than finding a way to be accountable and to actually take responsibility. They might feel victimized and avoid accountability or responsibility. The inner adult, on the other hand, takes on the challenges of finding solutions by owning the problems. With the help of your inner adult, even problems worthy of being called problems do not dehumanize or invalidate you. If we can start to look at problems as temporary obstacles that you yourself can overcome, your inner adult won't be hard to find. It will rise to the challenge. If, on the other hand, we find ourselves preferring the blame game, it may be time to spend effort on really developing this inner adult. Think the key here is to be able to have a balance between the inner child and the inner adult and not have an inner child at the expense of an inner adult or vice versa. Now, if you think about it for a minute, just give yourself a minute and check in with your body. You can probably determine what that balance looks like right now. I know, you know, when I stop and pause, I can detect it in my own life. Sometimes my mood begins to slip because I've been too relentlessly focused on the demands of life been managing work and notes in the clinic, ensuring that billing is up to date or working in the yard. We've got this yard project. We are so close to being done or cooking, cleaning, keeping up on laundry, generally just behaving like a responsible adult, right? But sometimes I can spend too much time with the tasks that need to be done and do nothing just for the sheer fun of it. Neglecting my inner child for the not-so-fun tasks of adulthood. Now, I will say that's more of my default, being responsible versus having fun, because I was parentified in my childhood, so my fun in childhood was definitely cut short. You know, when I think about having fun, letting go, usually that makes me a little bit anxious, It's far easier for me to prioritize responsibility over play. And, you know, given my story, that makes sense. It doesn't work to operate like that, but it makes sense. Maybe you're like me in that way. Or maybe you lean towards the other side, where it's much easier to value and prioritize fun and play while neglecting the adult responsibilities that need to be done. So... Either way, if we're prioritizing one over the other, we're not really finding that balance between the inner adult and the inner child. And because this episode is about finding your inner adult, I'm going to pivot and look at the issue of the problem that lies in the other direction, prioritizing fun or play, putting off responsibilities, allowing needed repairs to go unattended, allowing chores and paperwork to build up until they're just overwhelming. 
the challenge in these times is not to access the inner child, but to develop a stronger relationship with an equally important aspect of the personality, our inner adult. Now, the inner adult is the part of all of us that enables us to override our immediate impulses to say, why, yes, I would like another piece of cake. But no, I don't think that's a good idea, so I'll pass. It's the part that takes the car in for an oil change when we'd rather sit and surf the internet. It's the part that gets ourselves to exercise when we prefer to do almost anything else. The part of us that makes sure we eat our vegetables, flosses our teeth, and goes to the dentist regularly. We need both the inner child and the inner adult in order to live a balanced, meaningful life. Now, for the past 40 years, we in the psychotherapy field have tended to emphasize the former, the inner child, while treating the latter as more of a barrier to be overcome. Maybe we've been guilty of making the inner adult the party pooper to the inner child. The inner adult is portrayed as the inner school marm, the fun police, the ornery old neighbor who yells at the kids for walking on their lawn, the soulless advocate of conformity and boredom. Now, maybe it's because this demonizing of the inner adult accounts for the frequency with which its absence sabotages people's lives. After all, I think when we have been told for decades, if it feels good, you should do it. This can become an unquestioned life principle. Although it's one that definitely should be questioned because when we become less and less responsible to each other, it starts to create division and cruelty. Randy Patson, a Vancouver-based psychologist, says, quote, These are the mission specialties of the inner adult. It is the inner adult who leaves the marshmallow on the plate until the experimenter returns with the second one. It is the inner adult who opens the calculus textbook when the Simpsons is on. It is the inner adult who strives to understand their partner's point of view instead of simply lashing out. It is even the inner adult who does the hard work of therapy, facing fears and difficult truths, building gradual change and excavating past the settlement of life's demands in search of its balancing force, the inner child. End quote. Now, I think it's essential to remember that the journey to finding your inner adult is unique to each person. Now, there are some common indicators. Feeling a sense of purpose and meaning in your actions. Having a strong sense of self-worth. Being able to navigate life's challenges with resilience. I think finding your inner adult often involves recognizing and working through unresolved issues from your past fostering healthy relationships, and being willing to make choices that align with your values and your aspirations. Now recognize it's going to take time to understand your values, your strengths, your passions. It's going to take time to ask yourself what brings you joy and fulfillment and to get the answers. Journaling, meditation, or seeking therapy can be helpful tools in this process. But I also think we're going to have to embrace discomfort and step outside of our comfort zone. We know that growth often happens when we challenge ourselves, when we take risks. Facing our fears and trying new things, we can expand our horizons. We can gain valuable insights about ourselves 
and we can start to engage in introspection and reflection. Now let's discuss some common obstacles that might hinder this process. What challenges might come up? So I think one significant challenge that comes up when we're developing this inner adult is societal expectations and external pressures. Those are almost always obstacles, right? I think it's crucial to differentiate between what society deems as adulthood and what genuinely aligns with your values and your goals. I would say here, don't be afraid to forge your own path. Now, I see the t-shirts or the coffee mugs that say, quote, not adulting today. And while I initially chuckle when I see them, I also, there's a part of me that doesn't get it. Again, parentified child, I know, I get it. But if adulting doesn't work for you, this may be a sign that you're using somebody else's inner adult to guide your inner adult. And that's not going to work. If we see adulthood as the enemy, we're probably not doing it correctly. Our inner child might be pushing back against the adults it knew instead of trusting and embracing the adult that you can be and the adult that that inner child needs. Now, another obstacle can be fear of failure or the unknown. Taking risks and making choices that lead to personal growth often involve stepping into the unfamiliar. And when we love certainty as much as I do or the next person does, embracing discomfort and seeing failures as learning opportunities is scary, but it can also help overcome these fears. Now, I also want to clarify here that there are legitimate limits to the concept of inner adult and inner child that include the polyvagal responses of fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. If we're in a flight or freeze or fawn mode, we can't be critical of ourselves for not being the inner adult. The concept doesn't necessarily apply here. Or if we say it applies, I think it's the inner adult being aware of these responses that aren't choices. They just come from our nervous system, our threat system, and they're not necessarily choices the way we think of choices. Now we can make this inner adult aware, accepting and understanding, but not critical. Another limit to this concept that I talked about at the beginning is grief. We cannot inner adult our way through grief in a way that bypasses grief. It just, it doesn't work that way. Okay, remember that the process of finding your inner adult is not linear. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to have setbacks. And it's okay to change your direction. Embrace the journey as an ongoing exploration of who you are and who you aspire to be. Another thing I would just note here to be aware of, to be accepting of and understanding of is people with a wounded inner child can often experience persistent and chronic feelings of emptiness, helplessness, and hopelessness. They might feel like they're existing as a false self or that their life lacks a sense of aliveness or spontaneity. They might be aware that they're reactive or easily become defensive and go on the attack Again, just be aware, those are also some negative experiences that our inner child has and can get reactive to. You know, if you're currently triggered 
or if you've been in a funk or if you feel off kilter for a couple of days, maybe you had a fight with someone and you just keep rehashing it or you're still finding yourself activated from it. Or maybe you just don't feel yourself. You don't know why. Chances are your inner child is activated and needs some attention. We know that when our inner child is up, our inner adult functioning goes down. Our ability to feel like we have control over the day, our ability to do laundry, make a phone call, send the email, go to the gym, pay the bills, all of these things that we're capable of doing tank when the inner child is up. So what can you do if this happens? How can you connect with your inner child and your inner adult so you're functioning again? In order to connect to your inner adult, you're going to have to go through the inner child when the inner child is activated. You say things like, I see you. I love you. What do you need me to be aware of? Recognizing that when our inner child is up, something triggered it, which is why it got activated. So being frustrated, pushing it down, shoving it aside is only going to recreate the original trauma for our child self. When our inner adult or our authentic self has established trust with the inner child, we can say, hey, I see you. I know something is upsetting you. I care about how you're feeling. Maybe now isn't the best time to engage our inner child more than that, which happens. So we might have to ask, can I circle back to this so that I can give you my full attention after I finish this task I'm doing? Can you trust me to get done what needs to get done so I'm available for the pain or the overwhelm you're experiencing? Let me take this on so you and I both can have a good day and you aren't left feeling this all by yourself. We engage the inner child as it needed to be engaged with as a child. We see it, we hear it, we care for it. And yes, the reality of life may be that we aren't able to stop what we're doing in order to listen and spend the time necessary for our inner child. But I also think that isn't necessarily what is required from us. What is required is we need to be aware. We need to be patient, loving, compassionate. And if we ask that inner child, if we can circle back, we need to circle back. The idea is that by allowing your inner adult to connect with your inner child, you can find the roots of some of the issues that are showing up in your adult life. Inner child work can help with discovering and releasing repressed emotions you're holding back or repressing, can help to recognize your unmet needs, can help to resolve unhelpful patterns by creating an opportunity for increased self-care, and can help you be creative and more playful. Maybe you're listening to this and you're not in therapy and you think, okay, well, should I find a therapist who can help me with my inner child? I think it really comes down to what works for you. If you had a traumatic childhood, or if you have difficulties accessing how you feel, and if you find trust and connecting with others a challenge, this is where inner child work might really be useful. And if you aren't certain, you can ask a therapist that you're working with 
or that you're interviewing for the potential of working with them going forward. Maybe look at some books out there on the subject and see what resonates with you. Again, I hope this concept is helpful for you in understanding that creating this balance between the inner child and the inner adult, the playful and the responsible is really what we're working towards and understanding that these two concepts can live harmoniously within us as long as we're mindful and aware of the balance that we're trying to reach. That can help us when we find ourselves stuck or not sure why we behave a certain way in our current adult life. At the end of this episode, I want to remind you that your story matters. Remember there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. Until next time, Jackie. The Legal Stuff. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and education and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. Prayer of the Perfectionist. Nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Help me to remember the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I'm not alone. I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.